0: For those that don't know me, my name is Stan, I'm one of the pastors here, and it really is great to see you, and great to be with you tonight, and trust that God is, uh, you've had a good weekend, an Easter weekend, a long weekend, um, actually what happens is lots of people go away for the weekend, so we thought we'd, uh, we'd get tucked small here and get cozy, um, kind of works, sort of, but not really, but, uh, but, we, but we're having fun, but we're having fun anyway. And I hope you had a good weekend. And uh, the, good, the good thing is that tomorrow is also a public holiday. Eh? So it's not uh, over. Josh, have you, got, have you got tomorrow off as well? Oh, hallelujah. Eh? Absolutely. People don't get sick on a Monday. And uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a wonderful, wonderful weekend, a long weekend. So last week, if you were here, we started talking about Easter and the. Uh, the resurrection and what it meant and uh, we started talking about the good news and we spoke about the story and I, if you remember correctly i showed you that picture and i said to you what what is the story behind that picture and uh, that story rep- that picture represents something if you if you just look at that picture you think well is it a car that's out of control is it a car that's spinning out what's happening it looks like disaster is about to happen No, actually it's not, if you know what that comes from, that's Lewis Hamilton at the end of last year winning the driver's championship and at the end of the race spinning, doing donuts and spinning on the track. It's actually a celebration, it's not chaos, it's actually a controlled celebration, it's awesome. But unless you know that story, you don't really know what that picture means. And then so what I did is I said, what about that picture, what does that mean to you? And uh, part of that picture is what does that mean? Because actually that picture also, the picture of Christ on the cross, also fits into a story. It's not something that is an isolation. There's actually a story that it fits into. And last week I spoke about the, what that story is, that that picture of Jesus on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection, what that, what that meant. Because it's part of a bigger story. It's part of a story where God... In Christ is laying hold. So when we when we sing that that line, Jesus is Lord. Actually, what what happened on the cross is Jesus became Lord. He became Lord of all creation, Lord of all things. And God in Christ won the, the defeated sin, evil, sickness, disease, disorder, any form of evil, all forms of sin. He defeated it on the cross and said, "Actually, I want everything back, and I am Lord." And so what this picture is, is actually that is, and what's phenomenal about that picture is that you would think God in his strength and in his might would just come out and just just smash it and just say, well, oh, I'm taking it. And he doesn't do that. He chooses not to do that. What he does is Jesus is the way to suffering rejection. This is what Leslie, Newbegin says. He says, Jesus is calling is the way to suffering, rejection, and death to the way of the cross. He bears witness to the, to the presence of the reign of God, not by overpowering the forces of evil, but by taking their full weight upon himself. Yet it is in that seeming defeat that the victory is won. And so it's in the defeat of the foolishness of the cross, the, the Bible says, is the wisdom of God. And the weakness of the cross is actually the power of God. And so God's works are... Whenever we, in, we feel like we're foolish because of what we're doing and in our belief system and we believe in Jesus, you feel like you're foolish. Now, that's actually wisdom. There's wisdom in that. If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed, overcome, you're weak, actually, no, Jesus wasn't exactly that place, but actually it meant victory. When we put our faith in Him, our weakness turns into strength and our, and our foolishness turns into wisdom, and God has an ability to move those things um, out, of, out of the place of weakness into victory. And so what happens is, the gospel, we said this, is the story about God, the story about God winning his great victory, overcoming sin. And we said this the crucified and risen Jesus is Lord of all the world. And we said this as well that it's not a message about you and me and God sending us or taking us to heaven or that there's eternal life after we die. It's way bigger than that. Actually, it's not a message about me. It's actually a message about Jesus, the, 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 the gospel. The good news is a message about Jesus, and that message is that Jesus is Lord. And when we believe that Jesus is Lord, we come into Christ, and He comes into us, and we get all the benefits of what it means to serve Jesus as Lord. And I said this this morning, heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world, Heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. Heaven is somewhere where we're heading, but that's not the end. That's just the beginning of a new age. And so what I want to do tonight, and particularly with the, with the good news, with the, what is the good news, and uh, something of what the good news is this looks like this, that we're in a trajectory towards the end. The Bible talks about the end is the word eschaton. It's the word where we get eschatology, end times. So where the history is on a trajectory towards the end, and at that end, God will come, judge all that is evil, recreate and restore, and a new age will begin. And so the Bible talks about the, this present age, and it talks about the age to come. The age to come is eternal life. It's that age. That's what it, the age to come is. It's when we, the Bible talks us having eternal life, it's, that's the age to come's life. That it's, it's in that paradigm. And the good news is this, is that if we were without Jesus, we'd be on a, on a course towards judgment where God would judge and restore all. But in the restoring, there's a judgment of evil. He, will, he takes away all that is evil. He condemns all that is evil, puts to death all that's evil, and restores the new creation. If we didn't have Jesus, if there was nothing, and we got before God, and we were in our same state that we are without Jesus, actually we would be also subject to judgment because actually we were, we're, this, we're sinful. We're, we're, the, the Bible says there's nothing good about us outside of Christ. But the good news is this, is that Jesus has come before the end into time and in history 2,000 years ago, and He died on the cross on behalf of all creation, on behalf of all humanity, and everything that Adam lost... Jesus won back again. Everything that Israel was meant to do and they didn't do, Jesus made fulfilled. And so what happens is Jesus has come in advance of time. And all. if you put your trust in Jesus, the judgment that was meant to be at the end was put on him. And so we don't face that judgment as we go towards the end because it's all on Christ. And this is the good news. The good news is, is that Jesus has come and he has paid the price in full, so that we can be people, we can be new covenant people, we can be New Testament people, we can be followers of Jesus without with condemnation, in freedom and in life, by the, empowered by the Holy Spirit to follow Him, to be with Him, and to become a new kind of a people. And that's the amazing thing about the cross. The good news, friends, is that Jesus has come, He's overcome death, He was raised to life, and we are in Him, and He is in us. And so actually we don't face that, vict- that, that, that judgment at the end that was put on him in advance. And so we live in freedom. Tonight we're singing about freedom. The reason why we can say we are free in Christ, friends, is because in Christ we are free. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's, no, there's nothing that is against us in God, can be counted against us in God, because it is all taken up in Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful gospel message. And, uh, but it wasn't just the cross. It wasn't just his death. Burial and resurrection. I love in 1 Corinthians 15, it says this uh, Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised again according to the scriptures and he appeared to many, it says in 1 Corinthians 15. So he died. The reason why it says his burial, because there was proof that he died. He was buried. He was put in a tomb for three days. This wasn't like a hoax. He was buried, it was proof that he died. And then he rose again, and the proof that he rose again was that he appeared to many. And so Jesus was, uh, died, was buried, was raised again, and appeared to many. And so God is covering all these bases, making sure that everybody knows that actually God, Jesus, did die, and he did rise again. And uh, N.T. Wright's written a whole big volume of book, thousands of pages, a thousand-page volume. If you want to read about it, they say it is the... It is the it is the um, document on the resurrection and proof of the resurrection, both historically and biblically, that is ever be best uh, document that's ever been written on that subject. If you want to really be a nerd and go and read all that stuff, but it's not just Jesus was died. Not just Jesus died and rose again. What happened was Pentecost came, Acts chapter two, and so what happens is you see God doesn't just die pay for our sins. He raises again. Actually, what He does, He he forms a new community of people. We're going to speak about that tonight. A new community of people that He fills with His Spirit so that they can become the Easter people. Not the Easter bunny, the Easter people. We are Easter people. We are an Easter people. We're not just a... We're actually a people free, without condemnation, loved by God dearly, sons and daughters of God all the different pictures that you have of the atonement, adoption and redeemed and all these different justified, all these different different uh, theological words, but we're actually filled by the Spirit of God to become a message and a sign and a wonder to the people around us. And so what happens is in Jesus, that Jesus comes in advance, he dies and he's raised again, raises again. And he also, Jesus, in that moment, he ascends to the right hand of the Father, and he pours out his Spirit on the people, and he says, Right now, go and be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and the outermost parts of the world. And so, friends, in between Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and Pentecost, we, the church, live in that space. And the church is living in, in, in the age to come before the end. So we're living with eternal life before the new age dawns. And we live with anticipation of the new age dawning. But what's amazing is that in Christ, right now, where we are, as we are, we live with eternal life, the age to come already resident in us. The age to come is pressing in and presses in through our lives into the people around us, into our friends and families, into our workplaces. We are the people that carry the new age now. That's the church. That's the wonder of the church. That's the wonder of Pentecost coming. That's the wonder of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so this is where we are. This is where we are now. The church. This is us. The New Testament people of God. It is an incredible, incredible thing, friends. When the church would realize what we have in Christ. Not just that we're free from sin. Friends, this is more than forgiveness. The Christian life is more than forgiveness. It's fullness of life. It's fullness of eternal life. Eternal life. When the death, when when Jesus returns again and restores and recreates all things, the life that is there is available to us now in Christ. It's an incredible, incredible thing to behold. So, what we have, friends, is this gospel story calling us into this bigger story of what God is telling us. So, remember, we're in the big story, and the good news is that Jesus has come, Jesus is Lord. And what I want to look at tonight is the three big pieces of what the resurrection means for us. Because the resurrection is not just that we're made ready for heaven. It's not just that actually there is life after death. It does say those things, but it's way more, more, way more profound than that. And there's three big pieces that we need to understand as New Testament people what the resurrection brings to us. So let's have a look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. It's incredible here, if you have a look at verse 19 and verse 30, he says this, When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He says, It is finished. That is a massive statement by Jesus's, Jesus on the cross just before he dies. It is finished. It is accomplished. All that was meant to happen is fulfilled in me right now. It is a powerful, powerful statement. And then he goes on, In verse 20, this is what happens. So he dies early the next day. It says, early on the first day of the week. This is very important. Early on the first day of the week. So it was Sunday morning, the first day of the week. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came in running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked into the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Right at this place, they still didn't fully get that actually Jesus was going to rise from the dead. There's a a record of 12 so-called messiahs, messianic figures, before Christ in the kind of 50 years before Christ, that rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to fulfill the Zechariah text. This was an expectation of the people. They were expecting a messiah to come. And many, many messiahs, 12 of them, enacted that and thought that they were the messiah. And the people thought this was it. They were going to overcome the Romans. The problem is they died. And they stayed dead. That was the problem. You see, for Jesus, he died, but he didn't stay dead. He overcame death. And so what happens here, as you see, they're still figuring this thing out. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary went outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look at the tomb and saw the angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they, t- they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, Jesus, said, Jesus saying to her now, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said to her, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, I will get and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbinar, which means teacher. It's an amazing thing when she said when he when Jesus says to her woman, she doesn't recognize her voice. But when he calls her name, she instantly recognizes her voice. I think there's something significant about that. I tell you, friends, when Jesus calls your name, you will hear Him. When Jesus calls your name, you will hear the, the, the voice of the, the voice of God. And it is a, there's great hope for us because Jesus wants to call all our names. Verse 17, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for, for I have yet to return to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day, so Mary Mary is in the tomb in the first early hours of the first day, now in the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. This is quite a serious thing. Like, There's such that Jesus appears to people after he's resurrected from the dead. He's got an ability. It doesn't matter if you're locked up. He gets in there. You can lock all the doors. It doesn't matter. He's still coming in. In person, like in physicality, that's what our resurrection body is going to look like. The incredible encouragement is this, friends. You can think you can lock Jesus out of your life. But there is a day when He wants to come. You can't lock Him out. You can't keep Him out. You can lock Him out, but you can't keep Him out. And that's an incredible thing. Jesus will come and speak. Jesus will come and reach. Jesus will come and love. Jesus will come and appear. And in the midst of the storm, when you're most scared, Jesus comes and says, peace to you. You can lock yourself up in fear. Jesus will come and speak to you. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture of the gospel Uh, where we a week later his disciples were in the house again Thomas was with them the doors were locked and Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you there he goes again then he said to Thomas put your finger here see my hands reach out your hand and put in my side stop doubting and believe Thomas answered my Lord my God you see friends the revelation of Jesus as Lord and God is the big deal of the gospel If we can have a revelation of Jesus as Lord, as King, as resurrected King, as God, it changes everything. And what happened on Easter Sunday, on the Easter weekend, is that God became King. What happened on Easter Sunday is Jesus became Lord. Through the resurrection, He became Lord. He took back, He overcame, and He became King again. And this is the big idea of the gospel and the good news story is that Jesus is Lord, and if we acknowledge as Jesus is Lord, and confess that He is Lord, He is faithful to come and forgive. And this is the incredible story of the gospel, when we confess He is Lord, and Thomas right there, it doesn't say that he actually put his hands and touched Him, it actually just says that, I wanted to do that, but when Jesus says, well here I am, touch me, He says, oh my God and my Lord, my Lord and my God. Thomas answered, Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have sent me, you have believed. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Jesus did many other signs, wonders, and miracles in the presence of the disciples, which were recorded in this book, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may have believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing it, you may have life in his name. So it's, that's, that's a big verse, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. See, it's part of the story, the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. He is the one that was, everybody was waiting in anticipation for. He is the one, the Son of God, and that by believing that, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Lord, but believing that you may have life in His name. It's a powerful, powerful gospel statement. Jesus' is Lord. In verse chapter 21, what goes on is that uh, Peter and six of the other disciples go fishing. They discouraged, and they start doing what they thought what they'd always done before. They went back to their old ways. They' left their boats, and Jesus said, "Come follow me." They'd left their, 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 their employee. they'd left their jobs and they were following Jesus. And in the midst of all this chaos and them not understanding exactly what's happened, even though they've seen the resurrected Christ, what happens they're not, not sure what to do. Peter's feeling guilty because he's denied Jesus three times along the way. He's, he's not feeling in a great place. And the thing is, though, and this is very important, friends. Peter is a leader. Look at what, look at what it says here. Look at what it says here um, in verse 3 of chapter 21. So he, he talks about the guys that are going with him. He says, I'm going out to fish. Simon and Peter told them, and they said, we will go with you. Amazing thing, eh? Peter's in a bad place, but he's got leadership on his life, and he says, I'm going fishing. All six of them say, I'm going with you. Under the anointing of God, we can take people in the wrong direction. That's right. We've got to steward the thing that God's put in our lives. God gives you a gift of leadership to take people into Christ, not away from Christ. And Peter, in his bad place, he kind of gets confused, and he takes all these guys in the wrong direction. So they went with him and got into the boat, But about that night, they caught nothing. And so they go there, and obviously what happens is, friends, is when you go back to your old ways, you catch nothing. Not, not fruitful. So what happens is Jesus comes onto the beach, and he sees them fishing, <clears throat> and he says, Hey, guys, how's the fishing going? I caught nothing. He says, What, what about throwing your nets on the other side of the boat? So they do it and they catch this massive catch. All of a sudden they realize, oh, Jesus is Lord. Peter puts his clothes back on and dives into the water and swims towards Jesus who's on the beach with a fish bra happening. Fish and bread happening there. And Jesus, and, they, and Jesus says, come bring some of the fish that you've caught and he puts it onto the bra and they eat. And that's where Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he restores Peter back from being a fisherman back to being a shepherd of God's people. And there's this wonderful picture of restoration that happens in Peter's life. And because he's a leader, remember Peter's the one in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 that stands up with the 11. He is a leader, that guy. He stands up and he defends what happened with the Spirit of God coming in Acts chapter 2. And he stands up and takes his rightful place amongst the disciples. Three big gospel pieces. Number one, in the resurrection of Jesus... This means it's the dawning of a new creation. It's the beginning of the new age. Remember I said the new age is at that end. There's a new age. In Christ, the new age has come forward. So remember, in Christ, the resurrection of Jesus proves this and says this. The new age is dawning. The new age has come in Christ. And the reason why we know that this new age, it's a new day, it's it's a new era, it's a new age, is this. On the first day of the week, it says twice in that chapter 20. First day of the week. So what happened is on the sixth day of the week, Jesus died. On the seventh day of the week, he rested in the tomb. And on the first day of the week, he rose again. What does that sound like? Does that sound like creation? That's what happened. He finished creation. On the seventh day, he rested. On the... That's what happened. And he said, that's finished. It's done. It's a very powerful thing. Jesus coming in the resurrection means the new age is dawn, friend, friends. And we get to enter into that new age. We have a look at other things as well. I love this. Is that when Mary comes to the, to, the, to the tomb, she thinks that Jesus is a gardener. Who was the gardener? Back in the Genesis. Jesus. They were in a garden. We start to understand, oh, this is, this is the garden. It's like... We've gone back to the beginning, or the new age has come. It's like we've, it's over. Jesus has brought the new. It's a beautiful picture of the new age coming. It's incredible how, what does this remind you of? He brings them all together, and he says to me, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, and he breathes on them. What happened with Adam when he was in the garden, when God formed him out of the dust? He breathed on him. This is the new age. This is new creation. This is recreation. This is, this is big stuff happening now, friends. This is not just about you and I going to heaven. It's about heaven coming to us. This is huge. The resurrection, me, is so powerful and so significant. It is the hinge of history. It's not just about you and me and humanity. It's the, it's the hinge of cosmic history. On that day, all things turned around and revolved and the world came back into order, Jesus is Lord, God is King. And we get in on that now. That's the exciting thing about being a Christian and a follower of Jesus. And then then what happens is with those disciples, he breathes on them, but he commissions them. In the beginning he said, be fruitful, be, be blessed, be fruitful, multiply, go and subdue the earth. With these guys he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. It's a powerful, powerful thing. This is new creation. This is recreation. Jesus is the beginning of new creation. Jesus was the first fruits of those that have fallen asleep, it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, Revelation 1, verse 5. Jesus is the firstborn, He's the firstfruits, He is that from, that is the, what we were anticipating and waiting there, He's now come, He's the firstborn and the firstfruits of that. Colossians 1 verse 18 talks about Jesus being the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. And that word beginning does, as is, Bridebo is, um, uh, says, is lo- loses its significance in, in terms of what Paul meant by the word beginning. He says this, For what it was intended is not merely that Christ was the first or formed a beginning in terms of a chronological order, but rather that He is the pioneer, the inaugurator, He who's opened up the way. With Him the great resurrection became a reality. So Jesus is the pioneer of that time made real now. And those that are in Christ get to participate in that. Which means, friends, Without Christ, you are a shadow of your future self. You're a shadow of your future self. Your future self which is there in, in when Jesus returns, made real now, we begin as our, we walk with Jesus to become that person that we're going to be, ultimately become. Full of, rid, of, rid of fear, rid of anxiety, no shame, no guilt. Those are all the personal things. But actually, in Due by God with power to take his mission forward and to take his name and glory to all the earth. The second thing is this, the resurrection. So I I hope you're convinced about this. The resurrection of Jesus is the dawning of new creation. Jesus was the firstborn and the first fruits of that new creation. Big idea. Number two, resurrection of Jesus means that the new people of God are born. Because what God has to take the earth back, He is going to use you and I, but just, not just you and I, He's going to use a people. God puts a people together to do this. It's not a person. A person can't do it, but a people can. And it's, called, it's a New Testament people. It's called the church. So we are that church. We are those people that are empowered by pentecost you can never separate easter and pentecost the gospel is that jesus died and rose again and poured out his spirit on all people so that we can become what we call to be we need to be empowered from on high to do what jesus has called us to do and so actually in the resurrection life we become the foretaste of the of the in and in our togetherness in our in our relationships and the way we respond to each other, the way we do life together, the way we love one another, even though we might be so different, the way we we are counter culture people, counter whatever the world is, we're opposite to that. It's like we're we're this group of people that just loves God and loves each other and wants to, in that place, re- release the gospel. But but and what we represent is a is a foretaste, a foretaste of what's to come. So when people come into our homes, when people come into our lives, when people come into our meetings, there should be something of, this taste different. What am I tasting? And so I want to do a little illustration here, and I want to get somebody, maybe Josh. Josh, you, you can come, if you can come and stand here. And uh, Josh is going to be, were you here this morning? No, you were, eh? Uh no, I, don't want, I want somebody that wasn't here this morning. I want somebody that wasn't here this morning. Josh is going to be the... Fiar. Josh, you can be the feeder. You can bring that. <laughs> Max, why don't you come here, bro? Max, come here. So, Max, what I need you to do is I want you to trust Josh because he's going to give you something. But in order to do that, and I, I'm not sure what he's going to give you, but I want to, he's going to give you something. And uh, so as you can see, what this is here is we've got one of these things. So Max, you've got to open your mouth wide. <laughs> no, wide. Oh no. Hmm. What does that taste like, Max? Good. Is it good? Hmm. You trusted uh, Josh, eh? Hey, not to give you something bad, like the Lord's. Like he know your father knows that he give good gifts, but my father gives better gifts. So one of those, eh? Hey? And what is it, Max? What what can you taste? Some muffin. Ah, there we go. There we go. Well done, Max. Thank you very much. So what we have there is an illustration of Josh. The Bible says this: the 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 devil, the the enemy of the age, has blinded the eyes of those that won't believe in Jesus. The question is, how do we get them to believe? God's got a solution. What he does is he brings the New Testament people and he they become a foretaste. And so we get to feed we get to feed the people that don't yet know Jesus something that gives them a small taste and an expectation of what's to come. That's what that's what we get. So we are the foretaste. That's what it means to be a foretaste. We get a little bit to create hunger and expectation for more. And as the people of God, we're called to be that foretaste kind of people. We're called, find kind of, we, we're called to be that group of people. Now, bringing in that, that which is coming now in, on earth today. So, what it means is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, you, some of you will know this well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. This makes a whole bunch of sense now. He says this in verse um, 16. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. If you're in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. New creation has come. All this is from God, and recon- who, who, uh, all this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, And He was committed to us, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The old is gone, the new has come in Christ. The old people have gone, and the new people, God puts a foretaste on earth, called the church, called the kingdom people, called the New Testament people, so that they can begin to feed The world, something that they don't yet know. Number three is this. So number one, new creation is dawned in Christ. Number two, the, the resurrection of Jesus means a new people that is empowered by Him, by the power of Pentecost, by the power of the Spirit, to become a foretaste kind of a people. And number three, the resurrection of Jesus means a new commission. means a new commission. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So you see, friends, the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus was not just about me being reconciled to the Father and my sin being justified, which is a big part of what He did. Yes. But it's way bigger than that. We can't reduce it to that. And that's what I want to get through to us over these last couple of weeks. Don't reduce it to me and what God has done for me. Actually, the new age has dawned. It's exciting. We're a first day's people, not a last day's people. We're a first days people. We're we're living in the first days of the new age now already. The new creation has come, number one. Number two, God puts it on a community, on a people. In the gospel story, in the resurrection story, friends, it is a communal one, it is not an individual one. We've got to remember that. God used, when Adam failed, in Abraham, he started to restore, and he gave that job not just to a person but to Israel, to a people, saying now go and live amongst the nations and be a light to the nations. Be a foretaste of what's to come. But in Christ we now can be that foretaste because Jesus has come in advance of the end. And thirdly, we have a new commission. We have a new commission. With the death and resurrection of Jesus, friends, we have a job to do. We actually have a job to do. When we break bread and we, and we drink the ble- break bread, we're going to do that now, break bread and drink the, the, the juice. When we do that, we remember this, God, I'm part of new creation right now. God, I'm part of a community that you're putting me together with, that I can grow and mature and know how to walk with you and be a, and be a witness to those around me. God, you've given me a job to do. That's what it means to become a New Testament Easter people, is that we have an Easter job to do. John chapter 20 says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And you know what, friends? In this job, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, and he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, he fell on them and said, Now go and be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, and the outermost parts of the world. But you know what, friends? What often happens, what can happen to us is in the in the in the in the processes of following Jesus, we can become like the disciples and go back to fishing. And these moments that we celebrate Easter, death, and resurrection of Jesus, it reminds us again that we're not meant to be fishing. We're meant to be following Jesus. And I trust tonight that something of that happens to us, that actually there's a trigger in our minds. We're not just going back to old ways. And if we've gone back to old ways, I want you you to know that there's a way back to Jesus. Because Jesus demonstrates it in, in, in John chapter 20, the way back to him. It's our one of love and commission. Actually, the Easter, the, death, the Easter weekend, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is a commissioning moment in God. It's a sending moment in God. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. If we believe in the resurrection, we believe in a sending God. We believe in a going God. We believe in a God that reaches out and uses us to reach out. And what we see here is these guys go back to their old ways, go back to what is familiar. And if you've, if you've gone cold, if you've gone back to what is familiar in your life and you've kind of let the road of Jesus, of following Jesus go, I want to say to you tonight, come back to follow Jesus. Come back to him. He's waiting for you. He wants to speak to you. Like he spoke to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. I'll go and feed my sheep. Go and take care of my sheep. You see, friends, the resurrection summons us to a task. And He will take fishermen and make them shepherds. They're used to catching fish. That's how they were trained. He'll take engineers and make them pastors. He'll take people out of their comfort zones and their convenience and put them into his call so that they can depend on his spirit and his person in doing it. You see, friends, the Easter message is not one of comfort and convenience. It's actually a sending message going in what God has called us to go and be what God's called us to be. When we let the risen Jesus go into the roots of our rebellion, our denial, and our sin, as Peter did, and offer us love and forgiveness. We find ourselves being shepherds instead of fishermen. And God recommissions in these moments, these Easter weekends. And for some of you, you might not know Jesus. I want to say to you, Jesus is King and He is Lord. And He's putting this earth back together again. He's putting things right again. Put your trust and your faith in Him and follow Him. And if you've wandered off the path and you've gone fishing because you've got disappointed or you've got disillusioned because you've made bad decisions. I want to say to you tonight, the love and the forgiveness of God is available to put you back into where God wants you to be. It's the incredible hope of Easter. It's the wonderful hope of Easter that we learn from Peter right there in John chapter 20 and 21. So friends, I want to ask you this this, this evening, To break bread together and as we break bread together let us let us take the significance of what that means to be broader than just thank you for your blood that overcame the power of my sin which is absolutely true thank you for your body that's broken that made me whole which is absolutely significant but let us remember when we break that bread this is a symbol of new creation of which I'm a part. The old is gone, the new is come. Let us remember friends that actually God puts us into a community. That's what the breaking of bread, amazing thing, it was always around a table with men with with others, not by yourself. It is because it was communal. This was meant to be enjoyed together. New testament people, not a person, people. And number 3, When we break that bread, say, God, am I walking in what you've called me to do? Because actually there's a task to do. There's a a job to be done. And the Easter people understand all three of those significant things. That we are set free. We're out without condemnation because of the atonement of Jesus, because of that picture, the justified, justification image of the atonement. But friends, the full ambit of what God wants to do is far bigger than that. He wants to put us into what He's called us to do. And I believe tonight, when we break bread together, in a moment of just standing before Him, I believe God's going to commission us. I said that this morning. I feel like God wants to put some pips on some of our shoulders. Put you into, put you into something. Commission you and say, you are called. And like Peter, those of, some of you are called with a leadership call like Peter. Which means that you have an ability by the gifting of God, by the power of God, to influence others. And God wants you to start influencing others towards Jesus, not away from Jesus like Peter. God wants you to take people back into that and start leading people. Start stepping into what God has for you. And I'm trusting that when we break bread tonight, when we enjoy the juice and the bread, that all of that will come flooding into our hearts in an explosive moment of power, spirit power. And so, Father, I thank you. Let's, can we just stand to our feet, please? Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your amazing grace in our lives, Lord God. What an incredible, incredible thing to think, Lord God, that we have eternal life. That we are inhabitants of the of the citizen of we are citizens of heaven. We have the age to come already residing within us, waiting to come out of us. Thank you for the community and the friends you put around us and those of us that aren't in community or on the outskirts or just feeling lonely father i pray that you would put friendships godly friendships in place and godly partners in place lord god now pray lord god where we've drifted off the path of what you called us to i pray jesus that tonight you would recommission and that you would put people put people back on the path lord into what you us to be. For some of us, Lord God, you're asking us to change careers for you. To do something that we don't yet know. But by your Spirit, you called us, Lord. And I thank you for that in your amazing, amazing name. We bless you, we honor you, we thank you. You are good, Lord. You are so good, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. love you jesus we love you lord thank you father so let's just go and enjoy some communion together